everyone, and welcome to the Friday, June 25th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone, and I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman of NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, Scott. Well, good morning. Good morning. Odd week. Yeah, really odd week. Um, the death of a legend? Yeah, you know, this is a controversial legend. I'm, I'm glad you wanted to start with John McAfee. He passed away just earlier this week. Passed uh, away at Strange circumstances, right? Yeah. There, there's nothing normal about his life or death, and the conspiracy theorists are already out. But well, if you focus... He did say, I'm never going to kill myself if I do investigate, right. and he got a tattoo on his arm, basically saying, I'm not going to kill myself. Right. And he, and he wrote an email, I think, that said, the food here in Spain's good. I'm making a lot of friends in prison. So, But, but the, the thing day is, that he gets extradited, extradited to the U.S. Right, yes. he dies in prison. Um, so, you know, obviously we're not going to conspiracy this. But no. You don't have to with John McAfee. No, There's so much craziness. He's that, a conspiracy. I right. mean, <laughs> the way he lived his life makes it inevitable that you're going to question his death. Simply because that's John McAfee. Right. And what an incredible turn. You know, we yeah. were talking in the newsroom about some of the the legends that left a little too early. Obviously, Steve Jobs, Bob Noyce. Yeah. Um, you know, John McAfee was 75. But what a turn he made that the other men didn't oh, yeah. into madness and, yeah. and drug use and crime. and Possibly murder. Yeah. A swindler. Yeah. I mean, he's all these things. I mean, he's a larger-than-life character. Right. You know, and and I think I think he appeals especially to the atavistic side in all of us. It's sort of like everybody talks about, oh, I wish I had fu money because I know what I do, but nobody ever really does that. <laughs> he did it. Yeah, he, he actually got that money, and he just went. There's it reminded me of a, there's a line from H. L. Mencken that says, every normal man at some point in his life wants to spit on his hands, run up the black flag, and start slitting throats. And I thought, he's down there in the Caribbean. He actually was a pirate. You know, he's, he was he was off the off the normal set of human rules and behavior and everything else. Also, I don't know why poetry kept coming to mind. William Carlos Williams, uh, he wrote the line, the pure products of America go crazy. And I always thought that applied to like Elvis. But you know, McAfee's not a bad <laughs> model for that, too. No, and he raged and raged. And the thing about McAfee is it was very important for him to sort of cultivate this notorious image. Yeah. I got many a cell phone call from John McAfee saying, hey, I can do something, I can do this, I can break into that. After the San Bernardino shooting, he called me up and said, I can get into the John Apple McAfee phone. called you on a regular basis? Uh, every once in a while. Then he called later to admit he was lying about the San Bernardino Apple phone. Uh, after causing a sensation by saying he could break in, he had a weird relationship with us tech reporters, and he really cultivated this image. It was almost like he didn't just want to be a pirate. He had to know that everybody knew he was a pirate. Yeah. And yet at the same so he, time... He so he was a pirate with publicity. Right, right. And, you know, he certainly had the money to do it, but, you know, this is a guy who posed on magazine covers with firearms. Yeah. Uh, he was... A person of interest, as you mentioned, for a murder when he was in Belize, so he yeah. fled Belize. He never really 
was willing to pay the price for these things. No. But he wanted everybody to know that these things were a part of his image. Yeah, so he was creating a character, but then he began to live the character. And I wonder if he felt trapped in the character at a certain point. Very possibly. And he was yet, on the run a lot. In the later interviews that we would do with him, he would hint back to, hey, remember me, I'm the guy that kind of launched the yeah. you know, cybersecurity industry. And of course that got Mac lost. I had McAfee software. McAfee is still a publicly traded company. Oh, the know. name is still out there. I remember he's down there in Belize, you know, getting arrested and everything else. And you drive out on 101 and there was the McAfee Tower, you know? Right. And I always wondered, what would it like to be a McAfee employee? I can tell you, I, I never got a straight answer from the employees. Remember McAfee for a while was owned by, owned by Intel. They yeah. bought it for like seven and a half billion dollars. Intel kept the McAfee name. I could never get a straight answer why they did that during all the times yeah. when he was being arrested. Then they spun it off as its own company, kept the name. Yeah, why did I, I often wondered that the name was so associated with bad behavior and they were about computer security. Right. You know, it was and, on the Open Coliseum for a while. Remember the merger with Network yeah. Associates? You had McAfee Coliseum. And you think the company, you think some branding expert would go, you know, you guys might <laughs> want to change the name. It's kind of a pejorative term now in terms of, you know, legal behavior and, and, and yet honesty. to this day, to this day, it's a company. There you it is. Buy stock in it. You can get your software from it. And and so you know, a, a tip of the hat to the consumer cybersecurity industry that he yeah. really helped launch back in the late 80s. Oh, yeah. but, um, but what a strange way to take a life. Uh, you assume he did it, like you said, on purpose, but maybe got trapped in it a bit. Yeah. But uh, it was his life and, and image meant everything to that guy. It's, it's such a, it's a Silicon Valley story that's not like any other Silicon Valley story. We talk about characters that are larger than life, but he was uniquely so. He was he was he was off on a tangent. Everybody else tries to be all be Steve Jobs. I'll be famous. I'll be you know, the, the the adoring crowds and all that. And it was like, no, I'm just a you know, cybersecurity guy. I, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna get the bright lights. I'm just gonna go live my life in the most insane you know way possible. And. He did it, and he ended it in style too. So, who knows? Yeah, what a what a strange a strange end to a strange life that was uh, both successful and criminal, and he seemed to revel in both. In both, yeah. Okay, well, everything else seems kind of mundane it's compared true. to that it's story. Uh, big week for software. Uh, yeah, speaking of software, IPOs. Yeah, we even had more IPOs, and as some were fearing. Uh, you know, oh, is it still going to be time to do IPOs because SPACs are kind of, you know, falling right. on the wayside? We had some actual IPOs. They did very well. Uh, Doximity, Confluent, both Bay Area software companies. Yeah. At the same week, we saw, you know, the OGs, Adobe hit an all-time high. Adobe wow. has just ripped through the pandemic and done extremely well selling their is, software. Is there anything particular about that, different about Adobe? No, Except Adobe is well, the... Well, you know, we have the pandemic, but... Right. Adobe's Adobe. Adobe's been around since the beginning of time. It's just a really well-run company that chugs along. It's sort of the anti-McAfee. Nobody yes. knows everybody there. I mean, yeah. I can name the CEO. Maybe you can, but not many people can. But it's just... Well, I, remember, I remember spending some time with John Warnock. Back in the and, day. And, sure. you know, he was the most stable human being I think I've ever met who was, a, you know, a Silicon Valley tycoon. You know, and I, and I mentioned Steve Jobs to him once, and boy, he just went off. 
I mean, he was he was the opposite. He was he was literally the polar opposite. You know, he collected books and fonts and typefaces and that sort of thing. He had one of the you know world's greatest private collections of that stuff. And you know, that's Adobe. These companies oftentimes literally reflect their founders sure. for years and years afterwards. And I think Adobe is this giant, quiet, taciturn company just getting the job done. Right, and as Apple sells more hardware, especially yeah. I think the Macs, Adobe does well because people want to create on them. And uh, they really have a, a great market. You know, and you talk about that relationship, the sort of antagonistic relationship Apple had with Microsoft, all yeah. these years later, hasn't heard Microsoft, also an all-time high, right. the second most valuable company to Apple, and it hit two trillion dollars. Microsoft. Yeah. Okay, you know, if you would, if you had said to me in 1985, Microsoft is going to be one day, you know, a two trillion dollar company. 1985. I would have thought, well, yeah, in theory, it could get that big because it's a juggernaut, nothing's going to stop it. But if you'd asked me in 2005, if you had said Microsoft's going to be a two trillion dollar company, I'd say Microsoft is dying. Take a look at it; it's not going anywhere. Right, it was uncool, it wasn't selling as much, it was trying to get into consumer devices, which is yep. never good for a software company, uh, and yet it just got back to what it does well. Um, you know, the, the CEO is just smashing records, and what an incredible run this company has had. Yeah, well, they went back to their, stuck to their knitting again, went back to their knitting, right. and, and did it right. Okay, antitrust. Boy, this has been an interesting week for that. So. Six bipartisan. Nobody in Washington, neither party is working with anybody in the other party. They haven't since November. And suddenly we have six bipartisan bills, uh, anti-big tech, high-tech bills. Tech is uh, uniting the United States like nothing yeah, else. Around <laughs> hatred of... Yep. Well, I'd say... Around I, hatred of tech. But isn't it also fear of China? It's fear of China, too. Uh, pass to the committee level. Yesterday, okay, and now they're headed for the House floor. Uh, the most significant and serious attempt to reshape the technology industry ever. And they're all aimed at, you know, the big four, Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook. Made through the Judiciary Committee, but it's still got to go to the floor. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, I have a feeling it's not going to make it through the House. Do you? I mean... It's hard to say. I mean, this is the one thing that unites people. Uh, and so there is, I think on both sides, uh, a wish to have at least something yeah. that unites people. And whether it's... They want something to wave in front of the voters and say, look, we're trying. Exactly. We're trying to stop these guys. But they're not going to stop them in a big way because, you know, <clears throat> the hundreds of lobbyists for those companies back inside the Beltway are knocking on representatives' doors right now. Right, it's not just lobbyists, it's it's Tim Cook who's sort of getting Well, yeah, well, that's, a, yeah, that's the next thing I want to talk about. You know, it'd be nice, you know, you and I, if we have a problem, we just call, you know, the Speaker of the House. <laughs> so Tim Cook uh, reportedly called up Nancy Pelosi and a few others and started complaining about this antitrust stuff. What would his argument be? Well, I mean, his argument is that We I'm, employ all these people in the Bay Area, Nancy, you know, this is in your district. Uh, exactly. We're, we're the bulwark against foreign competition. We're, we're holding up the U.S. economy. You need us right now, especially. Why would you want to break us up? 
et cetera, et cetera. All those arguments, I mean, to say, hey, we're the good guys in privacy, and hey, we don't have a monopoly. Other people can make phones and laptops and you know, do yeah. social networking and come up with music services. And you, know, you start to list it all, and you realize, boy, they do have their fingers in a lot of pies yes. that other people all but can't get into because Apple is so gigantic. But that's their argument is, hey, we, we do this and, and they're probably going to bring up we pay taxes, even though we know that a lot of their taxes are offshore. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, this is the argument. But that, I remember Bill Gates being on Today Show or something years ago. And it, that was a time when Microsoft looked unstoppable. And he was and they asked him, I said, well, you're going to be a monopoly. You're going to take over the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Gates said, look at the history of tech. Giant companies like this have their time. And then they, they fall by the wayside. And I thought, well, that's, that's a damn good argument. But now that I look at Facebook, Google, you know, Apple, uh, you got to think, well, they've been big for an awful long time. And they're bigger than any companies in the history of mankind. So when do they start to fade? Right. I mean, there's only so much of a straight face you can have when Google says, well, look at Yahoo, you know, and yeah. Facebook says, look at MySpace. Yeah. These companies were big to an extent and then they, they faltered. But yeah, these guys are gigantic and they are in so many different areas. And we've done our best not to be Yahoo. You right, know. right. Uh, okay, so Cook's warning was the bills were rushed and would crimp innovation. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I buy that second one, the crimp innovation, because have those gigantic companies, are they more innovative than the world would have been if those companies had been broken up into five or six companies each, each of them pursuing their market share? My sense is the more medium-sized companies we have, the more small companies, the more innovative the economy becomes. Right. I mean, competition breeds innovation. Yeah. Gigantic size breeds buying companies like Instagram when they get hot. Yeah, all compared by That's not innovation, right. Yeah. Um, now, there is some innovation. Well, I mean, I mean, there's economies of scale. You know, theoretically, it gets cheaper from giant companies. But innovation, I'm not buying it. I mean, where's the great innovation at Apple since, basically, since Steve Jobs died? Right, and you, you look know. at Amazon, and they had the great innovation of, you know, one-click shopping. Yeah. But lately, I mean, they just bought a movie studio. They bought a grocery chain. They're buying things up. Um, that's not innovating. No. That's just using your size. Yeah, that's just M&A. And, and, yeah. and that tends to reduce innovation. So we'll see. I think, you know, it might happen this time. You never know. Uh, I know in Germany, boy, they're, go they're going antitrust crazy over there. Uh, they're going after... Uh, uh, Facebook, Amazon, and uh, Google. Uh, the regular has opened a also opened a probe into Apple's market power, going after the App Store. That's basically the old studio, movie studio, breakup model, which is the studios own the actors and actresses. They made all the films. They controlled distribution, and then they owned all the theaters. This is back in the 30s. And that got broken up. And I think that's where, where Germany's going with this, saying you can't do all this and own all the stores, too. Right. I mean, the new FTC chairwoman, I believe, you know, came to power thinking, hey, Amazon makes stuff and then sells stuff and puts other stuff lower than its stuff. Yeah. And that's antitrust. And so that could be the first the first. Yeah. Battle. And she sounds like a real butt kicker on this thing. We'll see what's going to happen there. OK. I heard from one of our listeners, a loyal listener who happens to be my cousin, 
uh, Gary Ream in Dallas. And he asked an interesting question. I hadn't really, you know, I'd heard little hints about this over the years, but he asked, will our electrical infrastructure be able to handle a charging station in every garage? And I thought, well, you know, you don't think about that, but then the cryptocurrency, they're saying, well, these server farms are sucking up the power grid. As, as autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles begin to, you know, they're making a serious dent. It's certainly in the California economy, but around the world now, around the United States, um, and we've got self-driving. I mean, Amazon has just agreed to buy 1,000 autonomous truck driving systems from a startup called Plus. Okay, well, it's real now. I mean, there's no question that electrical vehicles look like they're going to dominate. Right, Amazon is also uh, buying trucks from Rivian, which is the electric truck startup. Yeah. Um, you know, cleaner, less emissions, that's good. Yeah, you need to charge. I think that puts but more... But at a certain point, we do we reach a critical mass of electric vehicles that we begin to just start draining the grid? Yeah, I think it's going to be more important to, uh, you know, lean on solar power to yeah. increase that sort of thing so that we can get more energy from the sun and more sources because, yeah, it's going to tax the grid. It taxes the grid to be cleaner. Um, yeah. I get it, but but it's worth it, I'd say. Well, and I noticed California is talking about maybe people like you driving Teslas should kind of lay off driving them this summer. Did you see that little uh, notice? I did not, no. Yeah, they're saying, well, you might want to cut down your driving time in the electric mode. Huh, and use more gas? I guess uh, you know gas is you know gas is four fifty. That's uh, but you got to surprising for gas. California to say use more pollutants. And cut down on the electric. That would be a surprise. Do you ever, do you ever, in your soul of souls, think this ta- this this state is actually nuts? I mean, it's being run nuts. Yes, as a native, not, it's I, not rational. Yeah, and I'm California native, and yes, <laughs> I think it's nuts in a lot yeah. of ways. And sometimes, in some ways, that's a kind of a wonderful, crazy nuts. And in other ways, it's a head scratching nuts. Yeah, and we yeah. still got the fires to come. I know. Goodness. Uh, okay. Well, it just. Just to mention, Amazon, that 1,000 autonomous truck driving systems, they've purchased uh, 20% of Plus uh, for, uh, what is it, $200 million. And uh, there's another, I think there's a hidden motive on Amazon. And that is, did you see those numbers the other day that Amazon's turnover rate? Because nobody wants to work at Amazon. You read all these stories and everything else. Their turnover rate is 150% per year. So they're literally just fleshing out all their employees and bringing in a whole new set, you know, one and a half times uh, each year. So no wonder they want trucks to drive themselves. They are notorious for not taking care of their yeah. drivers, right? So. Well, this is interesting. So this is sort of like McDonald's, you know. Maybe we don't pay the $15 an hour. Maybe we put in a computerized kiosk. I mean, uh, this is going to be interesting. And, you know, when I wrote that book with Bill David out a year and a half ago, we talked about as stuff gets more and more AI driven, what do people do for work? You know, we're going to get a, we're going to get a population of people who can't be employed no matter what their skill level, because it, they've just been replaced at a certain point. And I think <clears throat> this is another glimpse. Okay. And finally, uh, Heard from Bob Grove. Uh, apparently, the the pandemic has created and 
a lot of pent up travel demand uh, and a lot of, left a lot of unspent money for the rich, for rich people to buy airplanes. And so there's like a there's like a waiting list now for private jets, a big one because everybody wants their private jet, and uh, they're saying, oh, it's because you know people have money and they want they're ready to travel and get back to work, but you know, Grove brings it up and I kind of have a feeling he's right, which is, rich people don't want to be with the great unwashed right now. They do not want to share a plane with 60 of us other human petri dishes ever again. Well, I really feel for them uh, and their concerns about flying with us. And uh, so they're buying private jets, goodness. I mean, you know, one thing that the pandemic has done is really exacerbated the- The divide. The divide, yeah. And, um, you know, at first it was a a tech divide. It was the digital divide. Will we have enough Wi-Fi and enough computers for kids? You know, and, and good for the school district that worked on that. Good for Jack Dorsey who donated money to help that. But the real divide is is money. And when we see all these companies that we talked about that did really well, that's encouraging in a business sort of way. But um, but it really enriched the people at the top. Even the whole mean stock so. thing. Yeah. You know, that enriched some people at the top. And other people made a little bit of money and good for them. And hopefully they'll learn from this. And, and one regular guy who woke up that morning with worth a trillion dollars. <laughs> Yeah. Briefly. Briefly. Um, And is he buying a corporate jet? I mean, you know, who knows? Uh, But the the, the giant chasm that we see, uh, even within the same company, uh, between how much wealth people have is just amazing and discouraging. Uh, And I think it says something that Amazon is addressing that by saying, hey, maybe we'll have driverless trucks. That's what their solution is. Come on. Well, I, having flown in a few private jets, not many, but I have to admit, when you're worried about infection, you know, and pandemics, the idea of the limousine picking you up at your house, driving you down to San Jose Airport or SFO, driving you out on the runway at the private jet port, pulling right up to the stairs, so you literally open the car door, take one step on asphalt and then start up the steps and there's a there's a stewardess waiting up there with a drink in her hand for you uh and you don't have to touch another human being you don't have to stand in line going through you know your your shakedown you know wand rape i mean that's that's got to be pretty appealing right now to people sure i will think of you in that flight when i'm traveling for the first time coming up pretty soon on a family trip and we're in the long line with our masks yeah and touching people and i'll think hey mike had it better <laughs> he went on a private jet long ago uh i'm gonna be on i'm gonna be on a little tiny you know puddle hopper next week on my way to oregon so we'll see all right. We'll okay, see you when that's get it. Back. That's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.